All righty. So we are on Peretzadi Tess still. This is the fifth of the uh, the Prakim that we read by Kabbalah Shabbos, getting ourselves ready for the um, uh, for the future Geula. And I wanted to uh, remind you again uh, what the theme of this that we were talking about is, that this uh, particular parak is a, a nevuah, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, that, sorry, David HaMelech had, and Moshe Rabbeinu also, but uh, that uh, that they had regarding the um, the final battle of Gog and Magog, and uh, the uh, the song which is going to be sung as a result of that. In this one, as we mentioned, in contrast to Peretzadi Zion, which talks about that at the moment of revelation, that there's going to be a great joy. There it says, HaMashem Malach Tagel Ha'aretz, that when Hashem rules, the land is going to rejoice. This parrot begins, HaShem Malach Yirgezu Amim, that the nations are going to be trembling, and they're going to be trembling because of what's in store for them at this moment of uh, Geula, when uh, there may be some retribution for uh, for what they have uh, for what they have done. Okay, so now uh, what we have is let me pull this up for you. Hopefully, that's there. Okay. So the. Uh, Funny. Hold on. Okay. okay, so we are up to uh, over here. So we say that uh, you're that them they're going to praise your name and great in their in their the praise is going to include the words great and awesome, it is holy. And over here. The Radak says that this is going to be as a result of the recognition of the nations of the world of our of Hakarish Baruch's existence. So they're also going to come to uh, to recognize it, and therefore that's going to lead them to praise your name, and they're going to recognize how great and awesome the uh, the name of Hakarish Baruch Hu is. And here the Malbim uh, further elaborates, and he says, "Us at this time." Um, uh, so at this point, they don't have the ability to go ahead and this uh, the uh, the Malbim is emphasizing the fact that it says Yodu Shimcha that they're going to praise your name. It doesn't say they're praising God; they're praising the name of God. So the name of God is somewhat the Malbim understands is somewhat distant from God. It's not exactly the same thing as God. And the reason why they're going to praise the name of God rather than Himself is. Because giving thanks to his name implies that you've only heard about God from others. Some distant reports are telling you about what's going on, but it's not something that one sees or one is experiencing firsthand. But not something you experience by yourself. Because at this point, the nations are only going to know from Hashem. They're only going to recognize God by virtue of the news reports which are going to emerge from Zion. 
So when the news reports emerge from Zion, so it's going to be at their point they're going to recognize they're going to be cognizant and aware of the what they heard about God. And then as a result of the fact that they now recognize, they hear about all the divine providence which took place in Sion, they're going to acknowledge and they're going to say, that God must be great, he must be awesome, and he is holy. Now what's with these three descriptions? So the Malbim explains, that these three descriptions, Gadol, Nora, and Kadosh, So this is indicative of three different uh, behaviors, or three different conducts, which are going to, uh, which the nations are going to speak about at this time. What is that? Shem so the term Godol, when we talk about like in Shimon Eswe, Akel HaGodol HaGibor VeHanora, so Godol implies that Kosh Baruch Hu is the beginning and end of the of everything in existence. He's the cause of everything, both beginning and end. He book he book he book ends everything. B'shem Nora, when we talk about God being awesome, Mora SheYachol Aracham Arachol LeShadda Shetaskim Im Hanhagaso. The, name, the word Nora implies that Gosh Baruch Hu is capable of overturning nature, overturning the laws of nature, and uh, the, 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 the laws of science, and they're going to have to conform to God's will. And the shame Kadosh, Moreshu, Meromim al Haragila. And the term Kadosh is indicative of the fact that God is elevated, that's the Meromim, he's elevated, exalted. Al Hanagas Aragil above regular conduct, Bemtsos Hateva through nature. Rakiafli Plos Biamenu, Ubizura Kadsho. What's going to happen is, is that there's going to be amazing wonders which we're going to see and we're going to experience with his strong arm. If you remember, we said Zroa is something which is the, uh, the, the power of God as he's reaching out through nature. In his way of being able to overturn and manipulate and to control that which is going on, uh, the uh, the miracles of that which is going to be ex- uh, uh, which is going to be occurring at that time. Then the next pasuk says, "Oz Melech Mishpat Ahiv, the Gashbaruch is a mighty king who loves justice, Atakonanta Meisharim." You have established equity. Mishpat Utsdaka Yaakov. There's justice and righteousness in Yaakov. Ato Asisa, you are the one who went ahead and did that. So the Redak says regarding the beginning of the Pasuk, when we say Voz Melch Mishpat Ahev, that Kashbarh is a mighty king who loves justice. So this is going to see, this is how we're going to see the power of God. That's the mighty, that's the O's. We're going to see the power of God and that he is the king over everything. And then we're going to also recognize that the uh, the uh, uh, that he is also not just as uh, many nations have experienced over the course of history that a powerful king is usually a cruel king and not a very loving king. But we're going to Hakadosh Baruch is going to be perceived as Ahiv, somebody who is beloved. And Ibn Ezra says that uh, that the, the way to understand the pasuk is that the O's and the uh, the kavod that the power and the uh, honor 
which is due to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the fact that he is an Ohev Mishpat, is the fact that he is somebody who loves uh, loves justice. And we also mention uh, that when we said that there was justice and righteousness in Yaakov you have, that you have executed, that you have performed, so here the Radak says that we now are acknowledging, it's like a tzidokadin, it's acknowledgement that when God went ahead and exiled the Jewish people, he was justified in doing so. So we'll have now the perspective, we'll have the, uh, the the point of view of being able to see the big picture from beginning to end, and in doing so, all of the different events of history are going to be explained, they're going to be understood. So that includes that we're going to be able to justify why God went ahead and sent the Jewish people into exile and that you are the one who went ahead and also did uh, tzedakah, that's the tzedakah part, in the fact that you went ahead, you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, went ahead and took us from exile, you took us out of exile to bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. And here the Malbim explains that uh, this is now the second level, and that is with the levels that we talked about uh, last time. But the Malbim explains that Konanta owes that at the time that you went ahead and you established your power, Melech Asher Mishvatahev, at the uh, a king who loves justice, Al Sharim and uh, with uh, equity, meaning Ram Al Amim, that at the time Bilti Mashkiach, that you are not a god who is elevated above all of the other nations, and you don't pay attention to what's happening here in the world. But rather you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are a judge. We characterize God as a judge who is going to oversee and uh, uh, direct everything according to the law. But again, it's not going to be a corrupt king who's only out for his own interests. You're going to be a king who loves uh, justice. And your power is going to be loyal, really, to equity in the fact that you're going to run the world and you're going to direct the world according to uh, uprightness. To the point where all of nature is going to uh, form into a throne of God because of your equity, equanimity. As you conduct yourself by these traits. Uh, yeah. It says, Kefisha Kanan Osa Hamelcha Elyon Hahoid Mishpat. And in the same way that you gone have gone ahead and established your throne as a lover of justice, so we're going to see this manifest, God's love of judgment, as he goes ahead and interacts with the nations of the world at this future time, where he's going to deal with them through, and they will be rewarded or punished, but they're going to uh, receive the consequences of their behavior based on, through nature. So it's not going to be directly through God. It will be filtered through nature. But but even though it's being filtered through nature, nonetheless, everything is going to be according to reward and punishment uh, principles. That's how they're going to experience the uh, the world. Then we say, 
um, that, however, Mishpat Utsaka Yaakov Atasisa. Then the Pasuk says, at the end of the Pasuk, it says that justice and righteousness in Yaakov, Atasisa, you have done, meaning, as opposed to God's interaction with the nations, which is going to be via the intermediary of of nature. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with Klal Yisrael at this time in the future is going to be fundamentally different. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to assign the responsibility of reward and punishment to the different laws of nature and whatnot. But you, Hashem, are personally going to address and assure that there's going to be judgment and there's going to be righteousness. What's Mishpat Utsaka? What do those two terms connote? Ha Mishpat Humashaiten Kefiha Gemul. Mishpat judgment is what a person is going to receive based on their good actions. That Sadaka Humashaiten Kefiha Tsadaka El Yona. And Sadaka is God's benevolence in what He's going to give us, not because of that we've necessarily earned it, but like any tzedakah, out of the goodwill of His heart, out of the, the warmth of Gakarish Baruch's heart, these are things which He's going to provide. Shehi titem bechesed mitzad tzidkas elokim, Because the great kindness which Gakarish Baruch is going to perform is the fact that He's going to do things for us which goes above and beyond what we actually earn. And although HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be, when he deals with, when he interacts with the nations, it's going to be with uprightness. It's going to be with, uh, with equity, meaning that it's all, they're not going to get any more than they, uh, than they earn. With Klai Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take it a step beyond that. Take it to 11. Which is going to be a combination of both justice as well as tzedakah. So we will actually receive more than we more than we earned. And then us, and then at that point, once Hakarsh Baruch Hu is now uh, uh, distributed reward and punishment accordingly, and in some ways he went ahead and he is he is uh, giving Klal Yisrael even more than they deserve. The consequence of that is going to be. So we say that we're going to exalt Hashem our God, so there's going to be this recognition, and we're going to exalt God, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to bow down at His footstool, which is the Beis HaMikdash, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is holy. In other words, Malbim explains further, he says that Shehagam, even though even though we're describing a time where it's the time of redemption, it's the time of the final redemption, but nonetheless, it's not yet a time when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is literally on the earth. He's still going to be directing things from above, and it'll be more evident to us that God is there directing things from above, but it's not yet going to be the point where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is actually here on earth with, with us. kiso. It will be evident, though, to everybody that HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the heavens, the heavens are His throne. Throne is always indicative of the place for where the uh, the reign of the king is going to be manifest itself. It's decrees from the throne and it's execution from the throne. Everything is taking place from the throne. 
So we're going to see HaKadosh Baruch we're going to see the heavens as manifesting God's throne, but he's not yet here on earth. Kigama nisim heim nistarim. Because even the miracles which are going to take place at this at this juncture, so they are hidden. V'yordim derech ha-shamay v'ateva, and they're going to uh, reach this world. They're going to manifest themselves through the heavens and through nature. But even though the throne is still going to be seen above, the footstool, where HaKadosh Baruch is going to rest his legs, this is taking place on earth. Meaning, the the, the um, metaphor of the footstool is, that the extent of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hashkacha, the extent of his divine providence, is going to reach all the way down to here on earth. It's not going to be limited to the upper spheres and Shemayim, but it's actually going to reach down here on earth where we are. That the, the, uh, the final destination of his divine providence is going to be seen and experienced here on earth, and that's where Kadosh Baruch Hu is still going to be Kadosh. Kadosh, remember we said that that means he's still separate and apart and somewhat distant from us, according to the Hashkacha. Because that is what Kadosh is, is to be separate and apart. Not to indulge in everything, but to be separate and apart. Um, right. And then he says, the Amar Kadosh Hu. So here the Malbim pays attention to a, an interesting observation. He says that the end of the Pasuk that we're quoting over here says, Kadoshu, he is holy. He is holy is in third person. We're not saying you are holy. We're saying he is holy. What's the significance of the fact they're referring to God in third person at this point? Kiba Madrega because at this point, so Kedusha is wrapped up and is covered in behind the curtain of nature. As I say, don't, uh, pay, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. So this is what's happening at this point. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there, he's directing everything. But the way most people are going to be seeing it, and the way most people are experiencing it, is through nature. That's where the reward and punishment is going to manifest itself. And we're not seeing this as something which is happening directly from God. It's not a direct interaction with God. But that is only going to be the second level. But then what happens is, Moshe of that when you have Moshe and Aaron amongst his priests, so Moshe and Aaron are two people, two people obviously very well connected to God, Ushmuel and Shmuel is together with those, the others who call out his name, Korim El Hashem. So we have, we could just say the greatest of Klau Yisrael, Moshe, Aaron, and the, the Navi Shmuel, they're going to call out his name, Korim El Hashem, they, they, uh, uh, sorry, the, in, in Shmuel, Korim El Hashem, they call out to Hashem, Vahu Ya'anem. And God is going to answer. So what we're seeing over here is the ability that on this third level, the highest level of people, they're going to be able to call directly to God, and God is going to respond directly to them. So you don't have to call the secretary, make an appointment, or, you know, when you try and get customer service for whatever it is, you speak to a computer and then another computer and then another computer before you finally get to somebody who could uh, who could assist. So at this time, those people who are at this third level, the highest level, 
So they will be able to call directly to God, and he is going to respond immediately. In other words, that aval, Malbim explains, aval be'esha nimsa Moshe v'aron ben Kohanab. But when you have Moshe and Aaron together with the other Kohanim, u'shmuel nimsa ben Koreshimo, and Shmuel will be together with, in a sense, his colleagues, those who call out his name, ratzalomar be'esha Yisrael heim b'madrega kazoks, when Kaiso reaches this higher level, where where the Shechina is going to be able to reside on Klai Yisrael in this miraculous, wondrous manner, and the will be with the Kohanim, together with uh, the, the same way that he was very close and intimate with Moshe and Aaron, that there's going to be this parallel between the relationship that we are familiar with, that Hashem had with Moshe and Aaron in terms of the direct form of communication which existed. And that's what the, uh, that the people on the highest level are going to experience. The Korei, Shemo, and those who call out his name, Yidmu, um, uh, uh, and that's going to be similar to Shmuel, the way Shmuel was able to go ahead and, uh, and, and call out Hashem as well. And at that time, we say, He speaks to them in a uh, a cloudy pillar. This, or Sadjagon says, um, Yeah. So explain in one second. He spoke to them in a cloudy pillar. Shamru edosav. They keep his testimonies. And the ordinances, those are mitzvahs, which we have a hard time explaining. So those are also he gave to them. So this is a description of the behavior of these people who are on this third level. Now, as a side point, it's not something which is the main thing over here, but I thought that it was uh, interesting. We'll read it over here. Uh, here in the footnote. He says, regarding this idea of the cloudy pillar, that Kosh Baruch Hu is speaking to them from the cloudy pillar, I didn't know this, obviously, because I haven't experienced this, but he says, HaGon Rav Sadya, Rav Sadya Gon Pirish, he explains, Imagine you're a Navi, and you're having some sort of communication which is coming your way, so certainly as you are a novice Navi, or you're a beginner Navi, so how do you know if the voices in your head are actually God, or there's something else? Maybe they're just voices inside of your head. So how do you know to uh, to differentiate whether it's a, it's a, it's a, an authentic voice of God, or whether it's just a voice in your head? You should probably speak to somebody about that. So he says, or if Sajigon explains, Sometimes what the Navi will experience as a sign that this is actually divine communication rather than a voice in your own head is that there'll be a pillar of cloud that a person is going to surround the person, which is going to, which is going to be present in front of him. And that's going to be at a time when you look up in the sky and there's not a cloud in sight. So like Al's background, it's a perfectly blue sky behind him. And yeah, the Navi, all of a sudden, he's going to see a cloud surrounding him. And that's when he begins to hear the voice. So that's when the communication comes his way. So that's going to be a sign that he's experiencing authentic nevuah, 
authentic uh, prophecy rather than something which is just uh, uh, imaginary and illusionary. And he says, um, yeah, in the Malbim explains on this, he says that just like when Moshe and Aaron went ahead, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe and Aaron the mitzvahs, so so too they went ahead and they uh, they guarded his uh, his his laws in the various statutes until it becomes evident to everybody that this is a communication which is happening directly between God and people and then the pastor continues Hashem hu anisam that it's Hashem our God who answer them. So again, it's it's it, we see it uh, is authentically God who is responding to them, not just voices in their head. Kill no You are a forgiving God towards them. and you went ahead and you took vengeance for their misdeeds. So we hear that this is talking about the, that the the uh, the Radak explains that the vengeance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, took for their misdeeds is actually referring to Hashem's response to Korach. That when Korach mounted his rebellion against Moshe and Aaron, so none other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself came in defense of Moshe and Aaron to make it clear that Moshe and Aaron were the chosen ones, and it's not some sort of power grab that the Moshe and Aaron usurped for themselves and for their for their, their their side of the family as opposed to others. Hakash Baruch Hu himself made that uh, made that abundantly clear. Explains the uh, the Malbim that when we say Hashem Elkenu Ata Anisam, that as we mentioned, that Hakash Baruch Hu is going to respond directly. This is with members of this highest group, those who are the most connected with God, meaning. Lo al yedei shliach v'emtsai. The Akash Baruch Hu is not going to respond through some sort of messenger. He's not going to send an email or a text, and you don't really know if it's uh, if it's him. Kel no say, and he is a forgiving God towards them. Kibes yani Hashem b'hanhaga hamufla halazu, because when Akash Baruch Hu is going to conduct himself in this miraculous and wondrous manner. That this this miraculous interaction, uh, which will be at the time of the final Gula, will be reminiscent historically of the way Akash Baruch Hu interacted with the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then at that time, when it's abundantly evident that this is God, as Yanish Alav Al Hachet taketh. So Akash Baruch Hu is going to respond at that time. Hashem's response to sin is going to be instant. In our world now, in our current existence, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not respond to sin right away. We describe God as being Erech uh, He's slow to anger, and He lets us sort of sit on the sin for a while. Maybe we'll come to realize on our own the fact that we made the mistake and we need to go ahead and do tshuva. So right now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is patient, but at that time, it's going to be an instant response. Kimo HaMidbar. Like it was in the generation of the Midbar, where generally when Klai Yisrael sins, so there's an immediate reaction from God. However, as bad as, as bad as it seems 
to have an immediate consequence for our sin, that have that instant response right afterwards. But the flip side of that, the positive side of that is, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be instantly forgiving. So as soon as we express the intent to do tshuva, so you don't have to wait until Yom Kippur, you don't have to wait till you, uh, you know, all the different things which in this world we may have to go through in order to secure forgiveness. At that time, it will also be something which is pretty instant. Because that the the slow to anger and the slow to forgive, so that may be when HaKash Baruch Hu's divine providence is nistar, is hidden from us, is not revealed to us. So it can happen that the punishment is not going to occur instantaneously because, and I don't know exactly what this means, I'm still struggling to uh, to uh, to understand exactly how this works, probably because I don't know anything about Kabbalah, but he says there are times when a person is deserving some sort of punishment, but Teva, nature doesn't allow it. Nature isn't maskim, as if nature has some sort of uh, say in how these things are going to unfold, but nature says, uh, maybe like if you think of it uh, like uh, with the spies, they say that their, their tongues extended and these worms or whatever came out of their tongues and went into their uh, their navel or something like that. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to have these miraculous, out-of-the-ordinary punishments take place, nature says, what? You can't make a person's tongue extend all the way from inside of the mouth all the way to their, their, their navel. That doesn't conform with the laws of nature or the laws of science, and therefore, these things can't happen. So, in a sense, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is confined and is not going to be able to do that. And he's also not going to go ahead and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, in our current world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't necessarily immediately forgive the uh, sinner. So he says that because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to send out a Malach because he's not necessarily going to forgive immediately. But But all of that is true. All of the slowness of forgiveness and the slowness of punishment is only because right now in our current existence, everything has to be filtered through nature. So since everything has to be filtered through nature, it's not going to be as easy a process. It's like going to the government to get something done. So it's bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy. And maybe after a long time, so you may be able to get an appointment. But once HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to deal with the world directly, so Yanish taketh v'yislach taketh. So there'll be this amazing uh, existence whereby punishment will be immediate, but forgiveness is also going to be immediate. Um, okay, and he quotes a pasuk to this effect. We'll skip that now. V'zeu shamar, and that's what the pasuk means when it says, "Kel no se lahem." That back in the day, so you hakadosh baruch so you would forgive them, meaning immediately. Vigam no came alalilosam. And we also had a period of history where Akash Baruchu would exact revenge against those who challenged the uh, the leadership of Moshe and Aaron, who tried to do a power grab from them. And as a result of the fact that there was instant punishment, so that's why there was also going to be instant forgiveness for the sin. 
So those are things which we saw take place in the time of the Midbar, in the time of Moshe and, uh, and Aaron. So we know from past history that the world can exist under such conditions. That's when we were literally inside of the Anani HaKavod, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is providing for all our needs, that the our existence in the Anani HaKavod was sort of like Olam Habadik. It was reminiscent, or it was, it was a, a, a foreshadowing what uh, the future is going to be like. And that's why you had these, uh, these immediate responses Two sins, very strong responses and miraculous responses. But then immediately after that, that strong response would be forgiveness. So that's what the world is going to be like at that future moment. And when we finally experience that, the last passage in the parak is, so it's somewhat similar to what we said before, but not exactly. We say, we're going to exalt Hashem our God. We're going to bow down or worship at his holy hill. So in the previous passage, we said, We're going to be bowing at his footstool. We said the footstool is the, is the end of the Hashgacha. It's the end of the uh, uh, of divine providence, but primarily at that time it was something which is happening in heaven. Akash Baruch's throne is still in heaven, and just the footstool reaches here. But at this time, it's going to be we're going to bow directly at His holy nation. Now, in over there, as opposed to saying Kadoshu, that He is holy. Remember, we made the point of saying it was in third person that He is holy. We're a description of God. Here we say Ki Kadosh Hashem Elokeinu. We now personalize it more, and we're going to experience it directly. And um, right, and this is something which we're going to see that uh, Hakadosh Baruch Hu do uh, directly. Um, I'm going to bow down at his mountain, which is the uh, the Beis Hamikdash, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu is holy and his place is holy. And the Malbim concludes this thing here that at this time, when we have this uh, this experience, which reminds us of what we already experienced in the in the Midbar. So here we say, Oz at this point, Doma Hashem Kishochem Beneihem. So at this point, it's going to seem as if God literally dwells in our midst. He's no longer in Shemayim, and we're just seeing the effects of his presence here on earth. But what's going to happen at this time of Geula is, it's going to be as if God is in our midst. And we're going to see it as if God has literally moved in to the Beis HaMikdash here on earth. Loba Shemayim. The Aretz Hadom Ragov, like we said, it's no longer going to be this Hanhaga. It's no longer going to be this conduct in this perception that God still lives or still resides on his throne, which is in heaven. And all we get to see is his footstool, the bottom of it, is something which we see down here on earth. But rather in the time of the future, we're going to exalt Hashem our God. We're going to bow at his holy mountain. Why? Because Hashem, sorry, Hashem because it's over there at in the base of Mikdash that Baruch Hu dwells, and He is going to be Hashem's uh, holiness is going to be in our midst. and that's why, as we mentioned. Lo Amar Kadoshu, we no longer say He as a distant being far away that He is holy. 
but rather we say Hashem Elokeinu, we're personalizing it more, Kihu Elokeinu Vinimsa Beinenu. He's now our God, and He is in our midst. So being that He's now our God and in our midst, so that is representative of this highest level that we finally uh, have, uh, have achieved, of connection and closest to God as a result of how he has manifest himself and how he has, how he's now uh, interacting with the world on this very fundamental, fundamentally different uh, type of manner.